G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as typewriters? Our presentation title today is Those Other Things I Hate to Do. Now, this is a continuation of the previous show called Those Things I Hate to Do, and it's also a continuation of the show before that, which was called What Are You Beholding? If you missed those shows, feel free to check them out on our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? So we're going to start today with a little bit of a revision, but I hear that repetition deepens impression, so that may not necessarily be a bad thing. You are easy to manipulate. And I know because I realize that I am easy to manipulate. We looked at this the other week, that a small stack of monopoly money can influence people to behave more selfishly. And the really interesting thing about this is that this happens without their knowledge and without their consent. We found that a picture of eyes can influence people to give more money again without their knowledge and without their consent. And we also found that vague words pertaining to the elderly can make people walk slower without their knowledge and without their consent. And I do know that when we hear the idea that we are easy to manipulate, our instinct is to say no. Uh Uh-uh, not me. Maybe this guy to my left, maybe they're easy to manipulate, but not me. I know me. I'm not easy to manipulate. We don't like the thought that we're not in full control of our actions. We don't like the thought that people can influence us without our knowledge and without our consent. Nevertheless, this is the case. We are easy to manipulate. Some of us may have seen a number of optical illusions. The one that I'm going to discuss is a picture of a vertical table and a horizontal table. You may have seen this before. The vertical one looks significantly longer than the horizontal one. But when you measure them, you realize that they are the same length. Now, if you haven't seen this optical illusion, feel free to check out the link to this show on our Facebook or YouTube channel. The link is called Why We Still Do the Things We Hate. Now, the strange thing about these tables is that even after you've measured them and know in your mind without a doubt that they are exactly of equal length, it doesn't change the fact that the vertical table still looks longer than the horizontal one. Now, I don't know about you, but this really bugs me. It bugs me that my eyes are easy to manipulate. It bugs me that I can see something that's not the way that it actually is. Now, this simple study shows that we're easy to manipulate. There's another very interesting study which really drew my attention. And it was a study that looked at the prevalence of people who are willing to donate their organs. And we'll explore this study just after this song. Above all kings 
Above all nature and all created things Above all wisdom and all the ways of man You were here before the world began Above all kingdoms, above all thrones Above all wonders the world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth There's no way to measure
above all Thank you, Lord You thought of me And you gave your life for me That's how I want to be, Lord To keep you first in my heart Above all. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigel and today we're realizing that we are easy to manipulate. We've so far discovered that optical illusions can make us see things very differently to how they are in real life. And now we're going to have a look at a study about organ donation. There is a graph you can see on the link to this show on our Facebook and YouTube page that shows 10 countries and the prevalence of people willing to donate their organs. On the left, there are four countries, Denmark, Netherlands, UK and Germany, who have low percentages of organ donors. The numbers are 4%, 28 17 and 12% respectively. On the right, Austria, France, Hungary, Poland, Portugal, which all are at 100%. Belgium is at 98% and Sweden is at 86% of people who are willing to donate their organs. Now, this brings up the question, why? Why are the countries on the right so much more willing to participate in the organ donor program than the countries on the left? Now, I thought about this and I asked myself, Is it a cultural issue? Is there some cultural issue at play here? And I looked at the countries on one side and compared them with the countries on the other. On one side, you have Denmark with 4%. And on the other side, you have Sweden with 86%. Now, they have fairly similar cultures. You look at the Netherlands on one side, which have 28%. And you look on the other side at Belgium, which has 98%. Again, they have a relatively similar culture. Now, I remember I've been both to Germany and to Austria, and from what I noticed, they have, again, a relatively similar culture. But in Germany, only 12% of people are happy to donate their organs. So this means that out of 10,000 people, 8,880 will refuse to donate their organs. However, in Austria, the figure is 100%. Well, it's actually 99.98. It's rounded up to 100 This means that out of 10,000 people in Austria, only two of them will refuse to donate their organs. So I thought, maybe it's because they don't get asked enough. In Netherlands, which has 28% of people who are willing to donate their organs, the government sent everyone a letter. Because they were running short on organs, people were dying. And they wrote a letter saying, please please participate in the organ donor program. They sent one of these letters to everyone who could participate. You know how they say begging only gets you so far? It's 28% in the Netherlands. And I thought to myself, is it a religious issue? And I couldn't really think of any religious reasons why it may be like this. Then I found out what the reason was. And it's extremely trivial or apparently very trivial. You see, in the countries on the left, when you apply for your driver's license, there is a box. And this box says this. Check this box 
if you want to participate in the organ donor program. And what the people do is they read the box, they don't check it, and they don't participate in the organ donor program. In the countries on the right, they have a similar box, but they have one extra word. And it says, check this box, if you don't want to participate in the organ donor program. And the people do exactly the same thing. They read the box, they don't check it, and they participate in the organ donor program. And I tried to understand why this is. Now, this is something that's really important. Why do people behave like this? And I realized it has to do with the difficulty of the question and with our defaults. You see, when a question is difficult, what people will tend to do is they will tend to go to the default. In this case, the question of whether you want to participate in the organ donor program. And you know, a number of people have heard of stories where people have been taken from life support a little earlier than they should have. And they're like, oh, I don't know. What if this happens to me? I don't know what to do. And on the other hand, they think, oh, but there are people that may need my organs if I die. What do I do? And they think about it. And because it's not an easy question, what they do is they will go to the default. They will go to what has already been chosen by default. Now, they did another study to see whether this affects professionals as well as lay people. Now, I don't think it was necessary. They should have looked at the numbers. If 99.98% of people in Austria went along with this, you would think that this included some professionals as well. But anyway, they did the study where a hypothetical medical scenario was presented to doctors, which we'll find out about just after this song.
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigel, and today we're looking at defaults. We've so far discovered that an extra word in a question on a driver's license application form can mean the difference between a country with 4% and another with 99.98% willingness to participate in the organ donor program. We've realized that this is because when faced with a difficult question, people typically fall back on the default that has been chosen for them. We'll now look at a study where they gave a hypothetical medical scenario to a group of doctors. Now, I remember when I was studying dentistry, they did this every week. You'd get a new hypothetical medical scenario and they would give you more and more information as the week progressed. And towards the end of the week, you'd come up with a treatment plan. Now, this is essentially what's happening here. They got a bunch of doctors and they said, a patient presents to you who is in hip pain. He is a 67-year-old farmer and you've looked at treating his hip pain for a while now and you've tried absolutely everything that you can think of and nothing has worked. You've finally concluded that the only way to treat this is through hip surgery. But then, one week later, you reevaluate the situation. And as you are reevaluating, you look over the file again and you notice that you haven't tried ibuprofen more commonly known as Nurofen here in Australia. So, what do you do? Do you pull the patient back from surgery and try giving them Nurofen, or do you let them have surgery? Now, you'll be pleased to hear that the majority of the doctors who were given this hypothetical scenario said yes, we'll pull them back and try giving them Nurofen. The other half were given a slightly different scenario. Now, before we have a look at it, I just want to highlight to you exactly what's happening here. The default in this scenario is hip surgery, because that is what has already been decided. The question that was first asked was relatively simple. Do we have hip surgery or do we have neurofin? The other group, there was an extra step added. Essentially, what they were told was everything the same as the first group, except when you re-examine the file, you realize that you had neglected to give them Nurofen and Pyroxicam. Pyroxicam is another non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So what do you do? Do you pull them back from hip surgery? And if so, which medicine do you give them? Do you give them ibuprofen or Pyroxicam? The vast majority of the doctors in this study decided to let the patients have hip surgery. Now, this should concern you, right? It really concerns me. Because the problem is slightly more difficult. Now, it wasn't overly difficult by any means. There was just one extra step in the process. The mind of these professional doctors went back to the default. Defaults are very important in our decision-making process. We are easy to manipulate, lay people and professionals alike. On one of our previous shows, we looked at the question why we sometimes do the things that we hate. Why do we sometimes behave in ways that we know we shouldn't? 
And we looked at the verse that says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And we asked ourselves, why do we sometimes do the things that we hate? And we found out that the decision-making process is highly influenced by two things. One is our logical brain, the way we analyze information. And this generally takes place in the frontal lobe. This highly influences our decision-making process. But there is another thing, which is our heart. Or as we looked at it, our emotions, the way we feel about things. We sometimes do things that we logically know we shouldn't, like I sometimes eat an extra cupcake when I know I shouldn't, because the emotions take over. And what we discussed is that the way to bring our heart our emotions, and our brain into alignment with God's will is by spending time with God. When we spend time with God, our heart comes in alignment with His will for us. In Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, there is an interesting passage which speaks about our behavior. And I really like the interplay between grace and works here. And we'll explore this verse just after this song. you be free from the burden of sin there's power in the blood would you or evil a victory win there's power in the blood there's power in the blood there is power power wonder working power In the blood of the Lamb There is power, power, wonder-working power In the precious blood of the Lamb Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood For a cleansing to Calvary's tide There's power in the blood 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 There is power, power, wonder-working power In the blood of the Lamb There is power, power, wonder-working power In the precious blood of the There's power in the blood 
Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's power in the blood. 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 There is power, power, wonder-working power. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigau, and today we're looking at defaults. Now, we've so far discovered that people typically fall back on defaults that have been chosen for them when faced with a tricky decision. We've also discovered that even professionals, when faced even with a moderately difficult scenario, will fall back on the default they have, even if this means letting someone have hip surgery. We also remembered that our decision-making process can be influenced by our heart or our emotions as well as our mind. In Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it and its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Here, we are told that to present ourselves as being alive from the dead. Jesus paid the price for us. He offered us grace as he raises us from the dead. And as a result of that, what we do in response to this is not to let sin reign in our mortal body. Peter writes a similar verse. He writes, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin, may live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Again, you have here, Jesus offers us salvation by grace. It's nothing that we do. It says he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And then, as a result of this, as a result of what Jesus has done for us, we die to sin. We try to live for righteousness. It says, by whose stripes you were healed. He has died for us in order to heal us from our sinful condition. The conscious decision-making process involves the mind and the heart. But there is also another part to it, which is the subconscious or the semi-conscious. These are decisions that are highly, highly influenced by our default which raises the important question, what determines our default? What determines where we go to when we don't think or when we only have a little time to think, when decisions are too hard to make? What determines our defaults? Now, a verse that we looked at in a previous show in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
Here, we're being told that as we look at God, we are being transformed into that image. A good way to summarize this verse is, by beholding, we are becoming changed. When we spend time with God, we become changed and become more like Him. I gave the example before that my beautiful wife Gabrielle is an amazing person, and I've taken on many of her positive character traits simply by being with her. I'm more patient, I'm more kind, I'm more generous because of her. But I've also taken some things from her which I wish I hadn't. If you remember, I said I find myself sometimes saying, basil, or tomato, or trunk. These things are starting to become my default. I realize that I say basil like almost 100% of the time now. This has become my default, and the reason is because I'm around it all the time. Every time I hear it, I keep hearing it again and again and again, and in my mind, it becomes my default. The things around us highly influence our behavior. Now, we also discussed that if beholding God can make us more like Him, what does beholding the enemy do? We'll explore this just after this song. you come to me in mercy Undeserving lost now found Your love begins to pour When you surround me with your mercy Just when I feel my way is lost And need some light to see Just when I would have given up You go and mercy me Mercy me when I'm falling Mercy me, hear me calling Mercy me like raindrops falling Pour your grace out on me Mercy me when I'm hurting Mercy me so undeserving Mercy me when I'm dirty Wash me Desperately, 
Then I need the air I breathe Father, fill the air with mercy Just when I feel I can't go on About to sink beneath the sea Just when I think the end has come You go and mercy me Mercy me when I'm falling Mercy me, hear me calling Mercy me like raindrops falling For your grace out on me Mercy me when I'm hurting Mercy me so undeserving Mercy me when I'm dirty Wash me Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Myris Jigao, and today we're looking at the decision-making process. We've discovered that our conscious decisions are strongly influenced by our logic, our frontal lobe, but also by our hearts or our emotions, the way we feel about things. But this is only part of the decision-making process. We often also make decisions subconsciously or semi-consciously. And these are strongly influenced by our defaults. Now, the way our defaults are determined depends on the things that we habitually surround ourselves with. One of the founders of our church, Ellen White, writes for us a statement which we looked at, which says, Those who would not fall prey to Satan's devices must guard well the avenues to the soul. They must avoid reading, seeing, or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. Now, I was thinking about the first line of this phrase, which says, those who would not fall prey to Satan's devices. And it brought into my mind some images. You know, a rabbit falls prey to a hawk. An antelope falls prey to a lion. Falling prey to something can be quite fatal. What she's saying here is that if you want to avoid falling prey to Satan, you must avoid reading, seeing, or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. Now, I shared that I used to spend a lot of time in my life watching all kinds of rubbish. 
I would spend hours every day watching all kinds of nonsense. I'm going to share with you a couple of the shows I used to watch. One of the shows I used to watch was called Game of Thrones. Now, I'm not going to get into this show. I'm not going to get into what happens in it or what it's about. I just want to draw your attention to what's usually found on the bottom left-hand side of the cover. It says, R, 18 plus, high impact violence. Now, I remember when I saw this, I used to think to myself, ah, this really doesn't affect me. And the reason I thought this is because I'm not a violent person. Violence is very foreign to me. You know the saying, he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day? I'm the one who runs away. I think I have an allergy to being hit because when I'm hit, I swell up. So I really think I'm allergic to it. And I do whatever I can to avoid physical altercations. And I thought to myself, well, I don't have a violent nature. So how can this impact me? And then I started to analyze it and to really think about it. I realized that most of these shows have a hero and a villain. The hero in the end gets the villain and he gets what he deserves. And as we watch these shows, there's always themes of revenge. People are getting punished for what they do. And I realized that this is something that we are seeing habitually. Is it therefore any surprise that the attitude of turn the other cheek sounds almost ridiculous in today's society? What do you mean? If someone hits me on the one cheek, you really expect me to turn my head and let them hit me again? Our default is retaliation. Our default is not to turn the other cheek. Our default is revenge because this is what we are seeing around us all the time. Now, there's another show I used to watch called Las Vegas. Again, I'm not going to tell you anything about this. I'm just going to draw your attention to the warning label. It says, mature themes, violence, sexual references, moderate sex scenes, nudity, coarse language, and adult themes. And I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked in a previous show. Do you think that moderate sex scenes provokes impure thoughts? What if there were low-level sex scenes. Would that be all right? This is so prevalent in our world today. If you look at just this one show, sexual references, moderate sex scenes, nudity, adult themes. This is so prevalent in the world today. And the default in our lives becomes lust. This is a prevalent default in the world today. Now, I heard a story which really, really impressed me, and it stuck in my mind for many years after I heard it. Now, I don't remember who said it. I wish I did so I could give them credit, but I still remember the story. And it's a true story. This happened with this gentleman and their son. The son was having a party, and he invited a bunch of his friends, and they were going to watch a movie. And the dad comes up to his son and says, Now, this movie that you're watching, is it something that's fit for Christian consumption? And the son responds, yes, yes, it's a comedy, dad. It's a good movie. And the dad was like, huh, okay. Does this have any coarse language? Oh, you know, just a, just a tiny little bit, dad. It's a good movie. Okay. Um, what about sex scenes? Does this movie have any sex scenes at all? Oh, yes, yes, just, just a couple, but it's, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. It's fit for Christians. What about violence? Does it have any violence? 
Oh, yes, you know, just, just a tiny little bit. But it's only a tiny little bit. It's fine. It's, it's a good movie for Christians. And what the father did was he walked away and went to the local cake shop and bought his son's favorite cake and came to the room and he said, son, I've bought you your favorite cake. And his son was like, oh, dad, you are the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. And he continues, but while I was coming home, I noticed a dry piece of dog poo on the road. And I stepped on it, crushed it, and sprinkled a little bit of dog poo on your cake. But it's only a tiny little bit. It's all right. There are certain things in this world that even a tiny little bit of is too much. Now, I know that I spent much of my life consuming dog poo. And it wasn't just little sprinkles. It was like big platefuls. And what I noticed is that this shaped my default. As I was trying to come to God, as I was trying to give my life to God, I found it so, so difficult to do because the default position in my life was to go against God's will. We are told that by beholding, we become changed. By beholding God, we are being transformed into His image. And by beholding the enemy, we are being transformed into His image. You see, the way the enemy attacks us, he doesn't tell us to completely turn around and go the other way. He doesn't come to you and say, Hey, you know what I want you to do? I want you to stop worshipping God. Come and worship me. He doesn't do that. The reason he doesn't do that is because he's not stupid, right? If this was the case, you'd say, get lost, you're doomed. No, the enemy comes to you and tempts you by degrees. He says, I know you're going this way. But if you look just one degree to the right, you're still going in the same direction. And this path is so much more pleasant. That's how he gets us. And slowly but surely, our defaults get changed. Slowly, we think, ah, Maybe we don't always need to turn the other cheek. Slowly we think, ah, maybe a tad of lust is okay. Slowly we get moved another degree and another degree and another degree. And when we look back, we realize that we are so far off our mark. And this is because our defaults have been changed. Our defaults highly influence our decision-making process. The subconsciousness is really important to the way we make our decisions. You see, when we make a decision, we have the conscious mind, where we look at the facts, and we make informed decisions. But what we also have is our emotions, the way we feel about things. And when we bring our life in alignment with God's will, when we spend time with Him daily and bring our heart into alignment with His will, then we are more likely to make godly decisions. But there is also the subconscious or the semi-conscious. There is also the defaults in our life where we make decisions that we barely even notice or that we barely think about, where we make decisions when things appear a little difficult. And when this is the case, we fall back on our defaults. I wanted to ask you today, what are the things that is influencing Your defaults. What are the kinds of things that you are consuming? What are the kind of things that you are allowing into your life 
that is shaping the person that you are and that is shaping your destiny. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have video presentations on many topics including the one we've just been talking about called Why We Still Do The Things We Hate. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigal. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day.
to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love